We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans welcome into an all-new episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can find me on twitter at andy herman nfl i am overjoyed once again to be joined by the one and only sam monson you can follow him on twitter at pff underscore sam of course he's the pff lead nfl analyst and you can always find him on the pff nfl podcast sam welcome back how are you doing doing well doing well how about you i'm doing great thanks so much for asking uh as usual uh we're gonna kick things off with talking about the previous week's game packers steelers a little bit more competitive against a little bit of a better team uh going on the road in playing in pittsburgh Packers can't come away with the victory. A little bit of a, a wonky lateral, no lateral call that probably costs Green Bay some points in that one. But what were uh, a handful of your key uh, key takeaways, excuse me, from uh, Packers Steelers this past week? Yeah, well, the game went the exact opposite way we were expecting it to go, right? We I thought watched. nothing was going to happen for three quarters and then everything would explode and the, the two fourth quarter teams kind of would take over and, and go nuts at the end. And actually all the scoring was done early. And then it was kind yeah. of a, a slow grind of trying to cling on and trying to keep the, the win for either side. So the the kind of breakdown, the, the distribution of the game was different. Um, I thought Jordan Love played his best game for a long time. You know, this was more like the Jordan Love, I think, that we expected to see. A guy that was going to make a bunch of big plays. The consistency still, you know, still isn't there. There was uh, some easy misses. But, like, this was the volume of of the bigger throws that he is expected to make um, and made a lot of sense. Uh, and, you know, because of that, I think you saw some of those playmakers play a little bit better as well. Yeah, I think so, too. Let, let's, let's talk about Jordan Love for a second. Uh, a couple things I wanted to ask you. The first one is the the two interceptions at the end of the game. The one to Christian Watson, um, or I should say the first one to Christian Watson, a little bit of like a jump ball opportunity. Matt LaFleur said in his presser, should have gone to the other side, basically. Um, and then on the second one, you're a little bit in a, a little bit in no man's land where there's not a lot of great outcomes that are probably going to come in that situation, but uh, gets a little bit of pressure, throws one in to, to Watson, and it's pretty easily picked off. What was your impression of those two interceptions, and how did PFF kind of view those two plays? Yeah, I think the second one in particular, um, t- 
to me, nothing is good on that play. You know, I, I think it was, I don't think it was a great route by Christian Watson. I don't think it was a great play. Just the, the design of it, in my opinion, was not particularly good at all. Um, you know, you look at, at sort of how it's, it's manipulating the defense and a double move that close to the end zone, I think is a, a tough, particularly against a guy like Patrick Peterson, who's seen everything. It's tough to get him to sell that anyway, but it was like a double, you know, double move. The the both guys on that side were running some variety of out and up or a, a stick nod for Musgrave inside. It's like so now you're you're bringing the safety to the same place as well. You're actually dragging the safety over to where you don't want him to be if you're trying to target the Christian Watson pl- uh, part of that play design. So I didn't like the route. I didn't like the play design. <laughs> and then the throw, I don't think it was great either. You put all those three things Agreed. together and you end up having the ball sort of knocked down and, and picked off as well. So I, I think that that play, you know, it kind of got what it deserved when you look at the the totality of it all. Um, and, and unfortunately, it was costing the game, really. Yeah, I think so, too. And obviously, Matt was disappointed with uh, the overall outcome. I think it was a great play by Patrick Peterson. Like you said, he's probably never biting on that initial route. Um, Matt was critical of the initial move by Christian Watson on that one as well. Um, really saying he has to run the first route first before he can get to the double move and didn't really sell that one very well. And again, whether Peterson would have bid on that anyway, who knows? But not, yeah, like you said, there's not not a lot of good that was going to probably come out of that one way or the other. And, and same thing kind of on the last play of the game. I want to ask you, though, about a, a comment that Dan Orlovsky made uh, on the Pat McAfee show, because I think it's an interesting one. Actually, I had a couple of people reach out to me and ask me about it as well, uh, but wanted your thoughts. And Orlovsky said, Jordan Love makes great throws, but there's not enough good throws. I just wanted your your takeaway on that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with that, actually. Um, I think I think part of his problem this year has been a relative lack of those great throws. Uh, they they pop up every now and again, but that's true for basically every quarterback in the NFL. You know, they, almost everybody makes some great throw somewhere along the way. I think part of Love's issue this year is that there haven't been the volume of those great plays that we would have expected. Now, this game, I think, was a bit different. We saw a couple yep. of really nice throws from him, and if this was his baseline, that would make a little bit more sense. And actually, even this game, I think there were a couple of great throws in there. I think there was a bunch of good throws in there and it was more the other stuff that was the problem. So I think overall his problem is not, it's not necessarily great throws, whether they exist or not. It's not necessarily good throws, whether they exist or not. I think his just baseline is too low. The, the volume of plays that he simply misses for no good reason. The, the level of sort of basic fundamental accuracy, I think is a problem and it leads to too many plays being missed completely and even if you look at some of the positive plays from that Steelers game there's throws where his location is just off by two yards right and sometimes that doesn't matter like Musgrave catches a ball down the seam which I think is a good throw by Jordan Love but it's way off in terms of where he wants to put that football the touchdown to to Jaden Reed earlier in the game like that's a good throw it gets there but it's probably, again, two yards off where he actually wanted to put that football. It causes Reed to have to sort of back up, slow down, you know, back up the the, the coverage guys chasing him. If Love had led him a little bit for, further, like it's, it's completely uncontested. The DBs are never even in the picture. So that basic level of inaccuracy with the football, I think, is by far his biggest problem right now. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that assessment. Specifically, the, the Musgrave one, I thought, too. Uh, I thought, again, nice completion down the seam. They finally hit that, but I thought the ball placement could have been a little bit better on that one. I think that's the the thing, and it's it's still tough, and I'm still willing to give a little bit of accident forgiveness because of some of the, the new players that he's playing with and the rhythm and the timing of the offense. But I also think we are now in, what, week 11, what we saw week 10 of the season, and this was his ninth start. And you're hoping to see some of that just kind of round out a little bit and just be a little bit better and a little bit more consistent. This was a better game. And I think everyone's kind of excited about that, but there's still those throws out there. I think the other couple where I think it's Romeo Dobbs and it was Dontavian Wicks, I think on another one where they have to kind of catch it short and then they have to almost like roll for extra yardage because they weren't able to catch it in stride on a couple of those as well. Just a couple of those that I think you want to see, you're just left wanting a little bit more. And if it all of a sudden connects, now you're talking about maybe a handful of more explosive plays throughout a course of a game. No, absolutely. I mean, I think there are plays there to be made. And this is, you know, it, it all falls back into what we keep talking about over and over again on this podcast, that there's mistakes everywhere, right? And, and some of the mistakes, those ball location mistakes from Jordan Love, they're they're costly from, from everything. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear all the time, quarterbacks affect yards after the catch, right? The, the ball location affects how much yards you can get after the catch. And it, even on completed passes, if the ball location is not good, that can affect what happens after that point. Totally agreed. Uh, let's talk about two of those performers uh, that were helping create some of those explosive plays. Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave. Jaden Reed, 79.1 grade from PFF this week, his second highest grade of the season. Luke Musgrave, a 72.7, his highest grade of the season. What did you see from these two young rookies uh, and maybe anything that gives you cause for optimism for their play moving forward? Yeah, Reed, I thought, had a really good game, caught everything thrown his way, made some nice plays after the catch, made that nice adjustment we talked about before on uh, the touchdown, you know, just slowing up slightly, backing up the guy chasing him and still being able to make a, a nice catch at the end of it comfortably because he made that adjustment. I thought he had a really good game. Musgrave just looks so fun anytime you can get him running vertically. Like, he's yeah. so big, so fast, so the catch radius is great. If you can get him into those seams, or on those corner routes that they they got him the ball, it, it just it's a big play waiting to happen. I thought he got pretty unlucky or pretty lucky rather that one of those was called a catch rather than like the linebacker. I think chasing him down, swiped at that ball, yes. came out immediately afterwards. I was kind of shocked that that was called a catch rather than an incomplete pass. But you know, you make your own luck. He, he got away with it. Um, so yeah, I thought he had a good game, and I I I think there's such a talented player in Musgrave that if they can get him those targets on a regular basis, it's a huge potential boon for the offense. Yeah, this is what I think Packer fans were expecting a little bit more. And obviously we all know and are well aware of like the rookie tight end of like it, it can take some time to sort of develop. Um, but this is some of the stuff we were expecting in, in training camp and in preseason. They were almost like spamming him and getting the ball all the time, tight end screens all over the middle, seam routes, everything. And he was almost like a focal point of the offense during that time frame. Um, I'm excited to see him get utilized a little bit more specifically down the field. And I'm hoping that does open up a little bit more underneath for some of the guys like Reed Wicks and uh, Dobbs and those sort of guys to, to hopefully be able to catch a little bit more underneath Aaron Jones as, as well. Um, and I think he can be a player that maybe takes some of that coverage. There was two plays. There was one in practice. I think you guys were at, um, you were at the Bengals game. I think uh, if I remember correctly, there's a play where he's up the seam and two safeties go to him. And then they try to hit Jaden Reed on the right side for a touchdown, but Reed's one-on-one -on -one because both players go towards Musgrave. Um, and that same thing happened at uh, Packers family night too, where both 
players converged towards Musgrave and left the wide receiver one-on-one. One was a PI, one was a touchdown, but I'm hoping to see a little bit more from this from Musgrave. And like you said, he's a super talented player uh, that I think is only going to continue to improve moving forward. I want to jump. I actually want to jump backwards to uh, or excuse me to uh, Jordan Love just a little bit, and specifically in regards to a really great article that you wrote on Daniel Jones. The New York Giants took a pretty big gamble with Daniel Jones in the contract that they gave him: four years, hundred sixty million, ninety-two million dollars guaranteed. Has not worked out very great. They were hopeful that he would continue to progress and improve, and that contract would look a whole heck of a lot better. He hasn't. He's also had some injuries, obviously, and it hasn't looked as good. My question for you, more specifically in regards to Jordan, is could Green Bay find themselves in a similar position of having to make a similar gamble that the Giants did with Daniel Jones? And what can Green Bay learn from that situation as they look long term towards Jordan Love if they want to go in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I think what what the the takeaway from what the Giants did is, I think they got greedy at the end of the season. You know, they they found themselves in the situation where the season Daniel Jones had a year ago, which is looking better than before, but not so good that you're 100 percent convinced he's the guy, um, was tailor made for the franchise tag. Like that's yeah. why it's there. So you can put the franchise tag on him. You get one more year of guaranteed money, and you can figure out if he's for real or not. Um, and instead of doing that, they wanted the franchise tag for Saquon Barkley. They And they probably, in addition to wanting the tag for something else, they probably also didn't want just the sheer volume of guaranteed money on the salary cap that year, right? It is it, one thing sort of in their defense a little bit is it is pretty inflexible when you have to, the difference between signing a guy on the franchise tag and signing him to a long-term contract is a lot in year one. So yeah. Yes, you're taking a gamble that you're stuck with him if it doesn't work out, but it, it's more palatable this year. So it's not necessarily just we wanted the franchise tag. It's also we didn't want that giant amount of salary cap space sitting on the books this year. But, you know, th- this is why <laughs> that exists, right? The downside for that flexibility is you're stuck with him if it doesn't work out. So I think what they should have done is put the franchise tag on him. Um, I don't think turning down his fifth year option when they did was the wrong move, which is a similar sort of dynamic. You know, I think that made sense. But as soon as he had the year he did, I think they should have put the franchise tag on him, figured out a way of getting Saquon Barkley re-signed or even let him walk, frankly, um, and just live with that as, as a potential consequence. And then now you would be able to walk away from Daniel Jones with no loss, right? Sure. Instead, yeah. they re-signed him to this deal. They took a gamble that it was going to keep going in the right direction, and now they're stuck with him. Um, and or they have to trade him away, eat some money, and, and just you know do do it that way. So I think it's a rough situation to be in if you know the the Packers are going to be staring a similar dynamic uh, with the with the Jordan Love thing. I mean, the learning I think has got to be you can't give out that deal unless you're a hundred percent sure that he's the guy. It's just not worth the short term flexibility if you get it wrong. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, 
I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So I'm not going to lie. When I'm in the middle of Packer season, I don't always eat the best. It's by far my busiest time of year. I don't have a ton of time to make healthy meals. And because of that, I end up eating a lot of unhealthy foods. And when I'm not eating healthy, my digestive system doesn't always feel the best. And I end up feeling less focused, more stressed. And it just feels like my immune system is fighting with an arm behind its back. That's why I tried AG1. I was tired of being tired and I was tired of being unfocused and I needed to kickstart my immune system and increase my energy. And when I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel the difference in my digestive health and my daily energy. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop includes probiotics for gut support, B vitamins for energy, and zinc to help support my immune health. And that's why Packaday is proud to be sponsored by AG1. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY. High tech for low places. Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go-to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra-sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped and you should too. Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship, so get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. Hey there. 
I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. No, I think that's what's going to be so interesting for, for Green Bay is that they obviously do have Jordan next year under contract and a very reasonable contract. They're going to do everything they can to evaluate him through the remainder of this season to get every piece of that evaluation right that they need so that they can go into this offseason and understand, all right, do we have to start looking in another direction? Do we at least have to hedge our bets? Or are we 100% confident in Jordan moving forward? And then ultimately make that long-term decision. I'd be pretty surprised at this point if Jordan isn't the starting quarterback in Green Bay next year. I wouldn't be super shocked if they did hedge their bets at some point and take a quarterback somewhere on day two, day three of the draft, just it, probably more even day two, um, just to try to get somebody that, because GMs love giving themselves out, at least good GMs love giving themselves outs just in case crap happens. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to be really intrigued at A, their evaluation, the remainder of this year, and, and most importantly, how Jordan plays, but then B, how they handle next year. Do they go into a, like a lame duck year with Jordan as quarterback or do they, um, you know, do they try to extend him or do they again, go in a different direction? There's a lot of possibilities out there, which is, makes it so intriguing. And the landscape might be changing as well. Like we're in this season where defense is fighting back. Um, everything we thought we knew about quarterbacks and offense over the last few years is not holding true this year. And yeah. it, this might just be a trend. It might be something offenses are able to punch back on down the stretch in the second half of the season. But if it's not, if this is actually a change in the balance of power in the NFL, I think it's also changing what you want in a quarterback. And I don't, it's probably not a coincidence, I think, that some of the best quarterback performances in the last couple of years in terms of young guys have been Mr. Irrelevant, have been a fifth round draft pick, have been a fourth round draft pick. Like it's guys lower down the draft who have something to their game, not necessarily the guys going at the top of the draft with the huge arm and the talent to make, you know, incredible big time throws, but the baseline is slightly different. Like, now more than ever, it might be a time to start just grabbing quarterbacks that you like somewhere in the draft because the whole um, sort of the whole dynamic of what you want in a quarterback might be changing like in flux now. And I don't know that anybody knows what it's going to look like in a year or two's time. Are you seeing more, you know, like uh, it, like the short level accuracy being the bigger thing? Like, obviously, you're looking at like a Brock Purdy brought up Mr. Irrelevant. And obviously, it's it's hard to gauge right now because it is in flux. But what what are you seeing as like kind of the new dynamic of what, you know, teams might be looking for in a quarterback moving forward? 
I think it's hard to say, but what looks like happening at the moment is this this whole world where defenses are winning, they're forcing quarterbacks to be more patient, to be more conservative, to be more efficient. I think what's happening is guys that were on that volatile spectrum, right? Guys that make a lot of big plays and a lot of bad plays. And, you know, that spectrum ranges from, you know, catastrophic quarterbacks to Josh Allen, right? Yeah. Who leads the NFL in turnovers over pretty much any period of time you want to measure, but also leads the NFL in touchdowns over most periods of time, right? So Allen is like the high end of variance. He's His baseline is higher than any of those other guys, but he's going to make his more more bad plays the most and more good plays the most, right? Jameis Winston is on that spectrum. Jordan Love is probably on that spectrum. These are all quarterbacks on a continuum somewhere. I think if the current trend continues, those guys are impacted more than the average quarterback because the mistakes probably aren't going anywhere. That's just something inherent in their makeup. But now if you're able to start taking away a percentage of the big plays that they make, those guys are just not as good as they were before because they're not able to offset as many of the mistakes as they were when they were going to make a big play the next drive and score a touchdown and, and make it a watch, right? So we had a run of a few years where suddenly all those tools, quarterbacks with the big-time potential and big-time mistakes, all those guys were working out, and they were becoming really good quarterbacks. Now those guys might be the ones that are actually getting their legs chopped out from under them and maybe you actually want guys that are just going to be good decision makers, accurate, you know, don't necessarily have all the, the arm talent and athletic ability in the world. If they can scramble, I think that's becoming a more important thing again, because that's one way of offsetting this kind of death by a thousand paper cuts type of defense is just exploiting when they give you yeah. gaps to run. So I, I think the style of quarterback that we're looking at at the moment might be changing. Yeah, efficiency seems like it's king right now. It's going to make for a really interesting uh, draft process coming up with the quarterbacks in this class. All right, a couple other questions quick before we get you out of here. We touched base a little bit on this uh, either a week ago or a couple weeks ago, just with kind of you know Green Bay's lack of high-end talent. I wanted to look at PFF because I think it's such a great measuring stick for where some of the Packers are amongst their peers. And I was looking, I'm like, all right, does Green Bay have any – top five or top 10 players at their respective positions by PFF's grades? And the answer was no. They didn't have anyone in the top five, nobody in the top 10. They had three players that were in the top 15 of their respective positions. To the surprise of nobody, Rashawn Gary and Zach Tom, the two that are on this list. The other one, Daniel Whalen, the punter, is on the top 15 list of his respective position. Ireland's no own Daniel Whalen. Yes, exactly. No other Packer in the top 15. There's a couple other top 20s. Jordan Love's at 20. Josh Myers is at 19. Jenkins is tied for 20th. Devondre tied for 20th. But as you can tell, this is a team that's lacking in top end talent. And one of my big things all offseason was it's great that you had all of these premium selections of Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker and Christian Watson and LVN. And, um, you know, we can go on and on Eric Stokes, etc. But at some point, these guys have to turn from average to good players, hopefully, to great players, to game-changing players. We haven't necessarily seen that come to fruition. And we talked again a little bit about it last week of how hard it is to really win in the NFL unless you have those top-end players. But how much of this, in your opinion, is an indictment of Green Bay and their process? Or is this just a young team and we just need to see more development from these players still? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always a bit of both. One one thing I think that's sort of worth doing is, um, you know, you look at those kind of 
black and white measures of is a guy ranking in the top five, top 10 or whatever. But there's also how many of those players are realistically even at that ability where you think they could be in in the top five and top 10 in any given period of time. Like the difference between 15 and five in edge rushers is minimal. Rashawn Gary could be in the top five next week if he has a really good game. He's at least at that level. And I think that's not a not an issue at all. Um, we've seen Jair Alexander can play at that level, right? He has stretches of time. He's got seasons, I think, where he's been the number one graded cornerback in the NFL. He can absolutely play at that all pro kind of level you need him to be. Then you go, okay, well, who else, right? Who else is going to, has the ability that in any given year, if they put their best play out there, they could be a top five, top three player at their position. And that's where you start running low on potential options. Like, yeah. really like the potential of Luke Musgrave, but he's a long way from that right now. Zach Tom, I think, is a really good player, but it's still a it's a big jump to go from where he is right now to being, you know, a top five offensive tackle in the NFL. And those two guys are probably like by a reasonable chunk, like the next most obvious candidates. Big time. The rest of them, like, they're all way off. So I think that is the problem. It's yeah, you've got a couple of guys that are that have that ability. The rest of them, though, are not even in the conversation. Like you're not even making a case for any of these guys. Hey, next year, those guys are obviously going to be top five at their position. I think that's the problem. It's you know, there's there's some good players on this roster. There's some guys that have taken steps in the right direction, but it's difficult to even like construct the argument that you know two, three, four, five of them are like right on the cusp, and next year you're going to have all these top five players and that makes a difference between winning and losing. The The issue is, I think we may have gotten some really useful contributors, but we are really low on like guys that look like they're going to be stars. Totally with you. And I think that's going to be something that Green Bay has to correct either through development of these young players or next year's draft, three top 50 picks in all likelihood. Again, they've, they've got to find some in some way, shape or form, or this is going to probably continue to be a massive issue for green Bay. I right, quickly, before you're out of here, Packers chargers, what are you kind of looking for this week? Yeah. I mean, chargers obviously are always a, an eventful team. <laughs> when you're playing them. Yes. Both sides of the ball are, are pretty chaotic at the moment. Um, their defense is bad. So like, this is a great get right spot for any offense, the chargers defense. I think they showed last week that, They'd had a little resurgence from Joey Bosa, from Khalil Mack, but it came against bad offensive lines. And you're like, well, is that for real? Or do they just run up against some really bad offensive tackles? They did nothing last week. So it looks more and more like it was just they ran up against some bad players. Like if they can stop those guys being a real impact force in the game, this offense should be able to do whatever it wants to do and actually have some success. And then it just goes down to can they get out of their own way and not make the mistakes that, you know, invalidate all of it. Um, and then the other side of the ball, Justin Herbert last week was making some crazy things happen, but they're banged up a receiver. They're relying so much now on just Keenan Allen and basically nobody else. There's a blueprint there, right? Just go after Keenan Allen, double team him every single play, make somebody else beat you, you know, force them to throw the ball at Quentin Johnston all day long and see how many he comes down with, because right now it's not been a high percentage. Jair Alexander did not practice again on Wednesday uh, and didn't seem particularly close, uh, to be honest. So that could be another issue for Green Bay, especially trying to shut down Keenan Allen. And then Packers are going to have that decision again if they want to go with Yash Nyman or Rashid Walker at left tackle. And whoever it is going to have to have a really nice game against either Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa. Sam, you're the absolute best. Tell everyone where we can find all of your work and plug anything you want to plug. Yeah, just the, uh, the PFF NFL podcast, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.
you guys want to know more about football, make sure you are following the PFF NFL podcast. It is awesome content every single time. Follow him at PFN, PFF underscore Sam. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Sam, I'm Andy. Thanks so much. And until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 